Hello and welcome to a new episode of Monster Dear Monster, a podcast where myself and my co-hosts or co-hosts discuss monsters in uh, various forms of media. Uh, no form of media is safe uh, from movies to television spoken word word albums comic books we explore it all and we hope that you enjoy taking the journey with us today i am joined by one of my co-hosts dave hello i'm here dave how are you doing i'm doing pretty good and what a spoken word album do we have to find that now what is that (laughs) (laughs) Dave, considering considering the breadth and width of, of human history, I'm sure there is a monster-adjacent spoken word album out there uh, that uh, might, in fact, be terrible, but it exists, so I'm sure there is some, something there. I, I, but no, no, we don't have to, we don't have to spend any money on, on it, because oh, good. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds expensive, Leonard. uh um and today we will be concluding our man has this has this been how long have we been covering uh Uh, over over a year or at a year somewhere in that yes that's what it's i think it's i think it's been over a year actually okay uh yes we are we have hit the grand finale of Melvina's therapy, uh, where all may be revealed. That pro- probably not, but it'll be a satisfying conclusion. But um, with as with the custom of our show, we have a, a little sub. Uh, <laughs> section that we need to get through beforehand and that would be the yokai of the week exactly bum, 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 bum. And, there's, no, there's no symbol uh, at the end of that i don't know why i always want to add the symbol <laughs> and uh there uh jeez wow we're on letter g <laughs> this week my brain my brain literally just fell through a warm hole inside my head. Um, yes, we are on letter G. Dave uh, randomly generates some numbers so he can get to the yokai by rolling up. Eight. Uh, the no, like it literally, it, it landed on eight. That's the, <laughs> that's even funnier. All right, what's our... What is it? What is the random number eight? Uh, that is the uh, Ushi Oni, or uh, uh, Guki. Or the uh, Guki, because he's in G. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's how, you, that's how we, we get double duty out of our, out of our yokai. Because if we just, just land on one, in just one give letter, them a different name. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. That's how it is. There are only there are only a limited number of yokai day. They're unlimited, sir. We can just make <laughs> a new one. 
Unlimited. This is a what a handsome boy. Yep. It's a it's a it's a big gross bull tech. That's what it looks like. Not mincing words here. It's a it's a bull tech, and I don't like it. Don't care for it whatsoever. I like Dave, the you... Sawaki Sushi version, so it's the second picture down. He's oh, kind of sad. Yes. He's got a sad the, boy face. The the meltier version of, yeah. of... <laughs> the the other one's more like puppy dog eyed. So yeah, it's yeah, it's I mean, yes, as Leonard mentioned, it's, it's a spider body and then just a regular bullhead. Yep. I like that you're like they've got puppy it the first one has puppy dog eyes, but it just looks like Steve Buscemi eyes, so <laughs> Yeah, it does a little bit. Uh, so this is a yokai, uh, which, yeah, okay. Um, there are various kinds of this particular yokai, the Ushioni, and all of them some sort of monster with a horned bovine head. Uh, they mainly appear at beaches, very specific, and attack people who walk on beaches. Okay. Also very specific. Very specific, but um, since Japan is a land of large bits of island um it makes sense there's a lot of beaches yes and spider not spider <laughs> ox spiders spider crab i just wanted to say spider crab <laughs> okay they have a brutal savage personality spit poison and like to kill and eat humans the ushioni has a different appearance based mainly on geographical location in legends, they have an ox head and an oni torso from the head down. Some may be some may be reversed with an oni head and an ox body. Those don't look like oni bodies, but um, there are also <laughs> some legends in which they would frequently appear in front of temple gates in the mountains with an ox head and human clothing, or flying in the skies with an ox head and oni's body and an insect's wing, the chimera ox. It most often has the head of an ox with some oni-like attributes, sharp horns curving upward, sharp fangs, and a slender tongue. The body is most commonly depicted as spider-like, with six legs and long singular claws at the end of each appendage. Variations in the oni-ushi-oni anatomy are noted below. They are said to appear in beaches, mountains, in forests, rivers, swamps, lakes. Where do they not appear? In the middle of town. Um, they often appear in stream pools and in the Kinki and Shikoku regions, among other places. There are many place names such as Ushioni Fuji, so that's Ushioni Stream Pool, or Ushioni Taki, which is the Ushioni Waterfall. In the Edo period, uh, pictures of yokai, such as the Shakai Zukan, they are often depicted with an ox head and spider torso. In the Yakiyagyoemaki, a similar picture goes under the title of Suchigumo, which we have talked about before, that is the earth spider. Uh, so there are some examples where there are distinguished, there are, there are distinguishments, um, I guess, from Ushioni in the Gazuyakiyagyo. Uh, well, and then this goes into this giant list of legends <laughs> by its big legends by area. Um, 
Leonard, <laughs> Leonard re- read the Wakayama Prefecture one. I think that should be fine. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, the Ushioni stream pool in the Nashi, um, Na, Nishi Humoro district connects to the sea at its bottom. And when the and when the water gets dirty, people say the Ushioni is there. Just encountering this Ushioni would result in catching an illness. It is said uh, by uh, wait. It is said that by wait. Yeah. It is said by that by saying opposites like rocks flow, leaves sink, oxen neigh. And horses bellow. One life can be saved. One's life can be saved. So all you you just have to lie. Um, the Ushioni of this land uh, is cat-like with body, a tail at a length of uh, one uh, shaku, uh, which is about three point three meters or more. Uh, you know it. Whatever, whatever you want it to be, uh, and have springy bodies like a ball, and therefore do not make a sound as they walk. I, I love that detail. Uh, it is said that the uh, it is said that there is a ushioni at the waterfall basin basin in Awado River, and people who have their sh- and people who have their shadows licked by one would get a high fever and die in a few days. And that and that to avoid this, one can provide the Ushioni with its favorite thing, some alcohol, every year at New Year's. Uh, the tale about the yokai at the... Uh, Mio River Pool is an extremely unusual story about an Ushioni who would shapeshift into a human and even help a human. Uh, as a young lad was sharing his bento with a woman who was the shapeshifted master of the stream pool, the Ushioni went uh, when this young lad was washed away by a flood two months later. Uh, he was saved by the woman, who was the shape-shifted Ushioni. Uh, thank you for reiterating that. Um, <laughs> however, it is said that there is a rule that says an Ushioni who saves a human must leave this world in exchange. So as the Ushioni was saving the young lad, I love the use of lad, uh, from uh, from the Ushioni's body, Spring out deep red blood as the Ushioni's body melted and disappeared. Wow, that's traumatic. That's that's a series of of closely <laughs> closely occurring traumatic events for that young lad. Uh, uh, in the uh, Wakayama Prefecture, Ushioni are mountain dwelling beasts. Legend says when a hiker or traveler makes eye contact with the Ushioni, the person cannot avert his or her gaze. The person's soul or energy is drained and he or she dies. 
this is called uh, Kage Wuku, or sometimes Kage Wu Nomu, which translates to eating the shadow or drinking the soul. These are, these were, that, that young lad was never good again after that. <laughs> Watching that the lady melt. Yep. Yeah. Um, also, Dave, I just scrolled down, and you know what I see? I see atmospheric coastline. Oh, you, you scrolled really far down. That's at the bottom of the page. <laughs> yeah. I will not. I will not be deterred from locating yokai that are also atmospheric ghost-like. Yes. Dave, you know um, how I feel about this. Okay. Well, we'll I'll read one more of these because there, there's like. You have to come look at them yourselves, listeners, because we don't have time. There's there's a lot. This is a big. Them. It's a big page. Um, I'll just read the next one. The uh, Okayama Prefecture. So, in tales told in Ushimado, Empress Jingu who was invading the three Korean kingdoms. She was attacked by an eight-headed ox-shaped monster in this land called Jinriki, who she shot and killed with an arrow. Jinriki spread into. Spreading to head, torso, and tail, which became Ushimaru's... Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, that, I was confused. I confused myself there. The eight-headed ox-shaped monster was called Jinriki. So, Jinriki, which was the eight-headed ox-shaped monster, um, separated into its head, torso, and tail, and became Ushimaru's lands of Kishima, Maejima, and Aojima. Uh, yeah. as, the, as the Empress was returning from Shilla, which is Korea... Um, Jinriki, who was not able to go in peace, turned into an Ushioni and attacked again. So, uh, it reformed into this is ambiguous. Okay, when uh, the Sumiyoshi Sanjin grabbed the Ushioni by the horn and threw the Ushioni away, it was eliminated. Its body fell into pieces and became the island of Kurushima, Nakano Kojima, and Hashino Kojima. So, it just keeps getting turned into islands. Um, <laughs> the name Ushimado is considered to be from an, ancient, an accented form of calling this place the legend of Ushimado-bi, uh, the place where the ox fell. That's actually kind of cool. Um, and in the Hachiman Godokun, which introduced the authority of Hachiman, um, who established who was established in the Kamekuro period, um, there are writings about an oni called Jinrin who fought with the Emperor Chuai, uh, and this is considered to be the origin of the aforementioned legend. Thanks. Thanks for that information. Um, the Sakuyoshi at Okira Mountain in mentions a paranormal phenomenon that is called Gyuki. Thank you. Finally, we got to the Gyuki of the, of the title. <laughs> in, in the Kane period, a villager girl just 20 years old had a child with a self-professed government official. But this child's fangs grew long and became like an Oshioni complete with tail and horns, so the parents killed and skewered this child with a cast skewer to be exposed by the roadside. Yeah. The folklorist uh, Kunio Yanigata states that this was once um, that this is a once deified mountain god who fell and became seen as a yokai. So she had a spirit baby and they sacrificed it. Yes. Thank you, Noroi the Curse. Um, yeah, there's there's like four or five other ones. Uh, there is a specific root theory. So this 
not, uh, not origin, but an actual root. Um, uh, there's a theory that the Ushioni is actually an aged Tsubaki root. There are legends in Japan that divine spirits dwell in Tsubaki. So there is the interpretation that the Ushioni is an incarnation of this spirit, and there are customs where they are honored for warding off evil spirits. The flower, the, the root. Also, Tsubaki has been viewed as a special holy flower that grows in sanctuaries in the final reaches of capes and shores. And since Tsubaki flowers bloom at the boundaries, there is a theory that this expresses the place where Ushioni appear on the beach, or aka beach. It's a it's a morning, guys. Um, both the accompanying Nureona and both the accompanying Nureona and the Ushi Oni appear from the shores and do not come from anywhere else. So the Yokai Nureona appear alongside Ushi Oni when they all appear on the beach. Hmm. <laughs> probably go okay we'll read the next little bit because that connects the two things um another well-known ushioni is a massive brutal sea monster which lives off the coast of shibane prefecture and and other places in western japan and attacks fishermen it is often depicted with a spider or crab like there we go the crab the crab ox um body the ushioni seems to be connected to another monster called a nuriona who sometimes appears before an ushioni attack and tricks the victim into holding her child, which then becomes stuck to the person's hands and grows heavier in order to hinder escape, and then you get eaten by the Ushioni. What a fantastic uh, symbiotic relationship these have. <laughs> and All these yeah, yokai are jerks. All these yokai are jerks. <laughs> yeah. There's more. This is actually, there's a lot. This is a pretty, it's probably one of the larger... Um, yeah, entries that we've run into that has enough. It's been highly heavily researched, um, but as you've already mentioned, it there is the atmospheric ghost lights. Um, you can read that. Just skip the essay part. Yep, the sentence, the second, <laughs> second sentence is easier <laughs> to go with. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Uh, in the Izumo province, now the northern uh, parts of the Shimane uh, prefecture, at a uh, at a <laughs> at a damp time of continual rain, I, I like that. I like that phrasing. If one goes to a place where there appears to be a bridge across a mountain stream, where some white lights would fly about and stick to the body and not come off, one would say, I have encountered Ushi Oni and it is said to be disappear by warming oneself at a hearth. This is thought to be similar to the atmospheric ghost light called Mi, uh, Minobe uh, in the Niigata Prefecture and uh, Shigata Prefecture. Also, in also in legends of the Inaba Province, now the eastern eastern part of Tutori Prefecture, on snowy evenings, countless small firefly-like lights would collect uh, on one's uh, mino 
if one tries to shake them off, they'd fall to the floor and then whirl up again and stick on. It is said uh, that eventually the Mino and the umbrella would be covered with a green light. This is like, it's very evocative. I would like to see this in some sort of maybe an animated form. I'm sure it exists. Yes. It's very Miyazaki sounding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or or, or, the, or mm. the opening or the opening of Dark Souls Two. Thing. Yes, yes. There, there. In <laughs> fact, is um, Firefly things, souls. Yes. Um. Yeah. There's like we said. There's a lot of. This is actually really. This is a very good article. Um. <laughs> but it would take time that we need to spend on other things. However, however. Um, the Night Parade of 100 Demons, are one of our favorite go-tos, has an entry on the Ushioni. Translation, Ox Demon. Alternate names, Yuki. Habitat, <laughs> usually along the coast or near bodies of water, found in West Japan. Diet, varies from type to type, but always carnivorous. Appearance, a terror from Western Japan. Ushioni is a class of monster that lives near water. The name literally means ox demon, and it refers to a number of different monsters with bovine traits. Most Ushioni resemble an ox from the head up and a demonic horror below. Many variations are known to exist. The body of an ox with a head like an oni's, the head of an ox on a body like a spider or a cat, or even an ox's head on the body of a kimono-clad human, a Japanese version of the Minotaur. Behavior Despite their unique and varying morphology, all Ushioni share a number of characteristics, pointing to a common origin. They are exceedingly cruel and savage. They breathe toxic poison and eat humans. Some Ushioni are lurkers, attaching, attacking people who draw too close to their lairs. Others are hunters, roaming the coast seeking prey. The cruelest Ushioni ravage the same towns over and over, inflicting terrible curses or bringing diseases. Although a few roam the mountains of the land of Shikoku, most Ushioni live in the rocky coasts and beasts of western Japan. Ushioni frequently work together in cooperation with other yokai. The spider-like version from the coasts of the islands of northern Kyushu and western Honshu frequently partners with Nureona and Isoona. These siren-like yokai use their charms to lure unsuspecting men toward the water's edge. When they approach, the Ushioni pounces and bites the victims to death. The meal is then shared by the or between the yokai. The mm, the nude one I think we've covered before. Um, they're basically a uh, like a naga. They have a top half of a woman and the body bottom oh, of yes. a snake. The uso ona have uh, they they just look like women with like really long down to their feet hair that's damp, <laughs> and then their lower half is semi transparent on occasion. So they can be mistaken just for a naked lady on the beach, I guess. Yeah, um, or in the water. Or in the water. and Or, alternatively, I believe that the um, Isoona can be umibo umibozo-sized, so they can just be huge ladies out in the water, larger than a ship. Because ah. that's what happens. <laughs> well, that's what happens in Japan. In Japan. All right. Uh, that is, and then this is the best little picture. He looks so friendly. This is Um, 
Yep, that is Yokai of the Week. Uh, I will put links to this particular um, I'm, I usually do, but I'll definitely do the Wikipedia link because there's a lot to read and it's very interesting. So that was Yokai of the Week. That dun, was dun, Yokai dun, dun, dun. of the Week. That was enough. That's enough for like two two weeks. Two weeks right. of Yokai. There's a lot going on there for something that seemed like it would be so simple. Yes. Um, yes. It, it's uh, it, hey. Guess what? That we roll dice to determine Yokai of the week because it's always a gamble what we what we get. It's pretty consistent. Uh, all right. So. We've uh, finally, 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 finally made it to the finale of Melvina's Therapy, uh, culminating in Chapter 10, The End of... Dot, dot, dot. Um, That's what it says. Dave, uh, seeing as though this is, uh, this is your, you've been, you've been reading along uh week week to week uh haven't read ahead and i've already hit this point now now two times this was my this was my second run through through melvina um will you uh, get us started and and share some of your thoughts with us on this final chapter yeah it act- it made me a little sad not the content of it but the fact that it was the final chapter um uh, like I said, we've been doing this for a year, so not not really a whole lot shorter than the actual runtime of the the web comic. Um, mm-hmm. This this kicks off with um, Beatrice, and she's she's basically finishing up her own um, therapy session. Yes, uh, of her being the patient. Yes, because the, as we last left her off, she had been a little bit um, mind frazzled. Um, by Melvina. Yes, yeah, uh, she 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 wanted herself committed. <laughs> yes, and so she's finishing up her her own therapy. It seems like she's set to be released, and all is not as it seems. She is suffering from debilitating nightmares. Her ability to distinguish reality from nightmare uh, has diminished considerably, and so she's kind of in like a waking fugue state. Um, yes and it's it's horrifying it's very very well done um psychosis i guess Mm -hmm. the the, the depiction of her uh troubles her mental troubles that she's experiencing um they're also uh somehow uh very uh sekiro um laden because people, (laughs) people are filled with giant centipedes I was thinking uh bloodborne vermin actually. Either one. I mean it's the same. Yep. It, they, they are, it, it, they, it pulls more immediately, I think, from the Sekiro imagery yes. because of the size of the centipede coming from a person's mouth. <laughs> yes. Or body or multiple. Um, yeah, from, it's from not every... quite Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman therapist. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That is a good one. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, that's. It's less Glenn Close adjacent, but it's yes. Yes, it's the smile. The smile was like that. Looks like kind of like Nicole Kidman. 
Um, I can see it. I can see it. With the centipede. (laughs) Yeah. You you audience couldn't figure out how those two relate yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's also um, saying, her her therapist is saying to her that um, they've, they've she's cured now they found the source mm. of the problem that was what was ailing her and places a jar on the desk saying we had to do some surgery and we removed the problem which was this giant centipede mm. um, everyone's she, got them everyone's got them inside they're what they're what <laughs> ails you big centipede um she also gives a bit of exposition <laughs> where she just says oh yeah uh, Melvina put this uh, put this in you. Did you know that she's an entity from outside of our reality that just wants to shatter the barrier between wherever she comes from and our reality? Really, really weird, don't you think? By the way, there was a centipede inside. Um, and here it is. Really, it's, it's alive yeah. still. It's big. I really do love that that very explicit bit of exposi- exposition that is... Yeah, yeah. Just, just in case you thought it was ambiguous, this is this is what this is actually what's going on. And yes, it is conceptually horrifying. <laughs> yes, as is the point where she vomits forth a um, arm-sized centipede from her mouth, which is yep controlling her and chasing after um, Beatrice. And the resulting shadow chase is horrifying because you just see an outline of the therapist with a very long centipede tongue thing. Yep. Yeah. It's it's great horror. Um, the concept is also equally horrifying and mm-hmm. I don't need to think about it. Uh, and then, of course, um, as is the the perplexion, the habit, the the thing that marks most of um, uh, A. Rastin's work. Um, everyone's wearing br- the branded t-shirts that give you an idea of what is going on with them at that point in time. So um, Beatrice is wearing an empty nest uh, yes. shirt. Yes, uh, because we transition from her escape to uh, uh, her, en- uh, her encounter uh, with her, her madre. Yes, I was going to say her uh, her her transition into a younger variant uh, Beatrice, which you if you played play Beyond Two Souls and know Ellen Page's character, she's basically wearing the same outfit um, at one point during that game. Uh, but yeah, she uh, she retreats. Uh, once again, it's a hard cut. She is running from her therapist, hard cut to her dress completely differently in an apartment. And she comes home and finds her mother dead on the uh, sofa so, yeah. and and uh, highly desiccated. Um, the mummy mother. Which, yes. Um, looks like... A, looks like a pill overdose and so beatrice uh calls the police only <laughs> to get the uh the calls coming from inside inside of the apartment yes but but with with a mummy corpse who then proceeds to attack her and 
we realize that Beatrice has been uh, asleep and has now awakened, and she is in the Calkins uh, MW uh, psychi- psychiatric. Yes, and not to forget that, uh, or not, 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 not forgetting, but um, when she's speaking to her not-mother on the phone, uh, she goes into her room when she's trying to call the police, and there is an excellent heavy metal poster of the, because it's a band or an album, Dark Cliff, which is in no way indicative of where this is going. Right. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, uh, uh, Beatrice is possibly, (laughs) possibly awake. Um, uh, she, she, she's aware of what's happening to her. She's aware that she's losing touch with whether she's dealing with reality or a waking nightmare or a sleeping nightmare. Um, her therapist, which is the same therapist from her nightmare, uh, is, uh, you know, reasonably concerned that uh, that she's still having hallucinations on her new medication. Um, but yeah, Beatrice is in, is in an explicitly bl- bad place. Um, and... She the oh the one thing positive that she says is at least when she's asleep she knows she's not gonna hurt herself or those around as she then hallucinates a centipede very sacroy uh wrapping out of her therapist's mouth and wrapping around her neck. Yes, and then we deal with a large bit of personal deep-seated trauma um yep regarding her her relationship with her mother and how she felt uh she it's a it's a double-edged thing uh her mother failed her and then she failed her mother um in in her attempts to get her mother help just weren't working um, right culminating of course in her mother's um suicide which has left a lasting and deep impression on her and what incidentally basically what melvina had been kind of feeding off of um right in her sessions with uh, beatrice yes but um because of beatrice's sense of sense of self and like firm character uh these are things that while they exist she was uh ultimately able to overcome yes um she personally it's still an issue it's still there but she was more or less able to make peace with her mother's death and her own treatment of that and herself um it's an i think it's just an ongoing thing that she'll just have to deal with the rest of her life but she is dealing with it as opposed to letting it uh control her right is what it what it basically boils down to um and it's a it's a sort of it's a it's a positive affirmation of this mental trauma being a thing that you have to acknowledge but it's not a control it doesn't have to be the controlling uh aspect of your life is mm-hmm. how she's taken it right um 
and I, I think her parting, she's, she's dealing doing a lot of dialogue with her mother or where her mother is um, in, in the state she was before she died. So it's not the mummy mother. It's yes. It's her slightly, mother. slightly plumpy mother. Um, yes. And her, her final words to her mother is um, she's, mom, I loved you, but I love myself more. And that's why I had to get away from you. So she's uh, because she had been suffering they'd both been suffering um her her father um i think he could just suicide or did he just leave yeah he just I, left i think he just left. so he's out of the picture one way or the other and then the moment that her father left the picture her mother basically did too even though she was there so it was worse right so her mother was just checked out like mentally and mm-hmm. that neglect spread to oh, you know the, the the core of um uh, beatrice's problems I uh so I actually kind of interpreted uh this as Beatrice finally making peace. Uh, yes, with that yes, part. that's that's what those her lines are there. Uh, part of herself, um, mainly because we've we've gotten hints through since basically since Beatrice's introduction into the series that they, there is this really awful traumatic event involving her and her mother. Um, and it, it, it's been it's been getting more and more intense as the series goes on, and Beatrice finally uh, finally uh, accesses her own psychological mental fortitude and addresses the fact that she, of course, she of course she loved her mother, but she can't she can't live for for her mother or take care of her and that she needed to take care of herself and to be able to say that and probably for the first time since her mother's death not feel guilty about it feel selfish which is a a theme that was uh, reoccurring with her whenever we got the hints of of her mother and that situation yeah. uh so um yeah the image of her mother uh uh turns to stone and crumbles and I believe that that is her uh, her process and coming to peace with it, because we uh, we transition into a very very interesting and unexpected uh, location with an interesting and unexpected uh, person. Dave, were you expecting any of this unexpected? Uh, not in. Not in the way it, um, it, I mean, it's been foreshadowed, kind of. Yes. Um, so it wasn't unexpected in that sense, but I was surprised that it went the way it did, I guess. So this mm-hmm. this this begins a segment that it's probably my favorite segment of the entire webcomic, only because it relies on inference from the entire webcomic. Yes, like like this is an excellent um, reiteration of the themes, and t- ra- I like when things tie back to the beginning, like mm-hmm. make a good loop, and that's what this kind of does, um, without feeling like it's a just a series of callbacks. Like these right. are there for kind of a reason because it's it's um, it's putting the last puzzle pieces together. This is what this is doing. 
Mm-hmm. Because the entire time we've been getting, nothing's been overtly stated. Everything's been hinted at for the most part. And this is the first time that everything, that the chips are all on the table. This is what it is. This is what we're dealing with. And you still have the freedom to kind of make it a little bit of your own puzzle. Like right. that's, that's what's the beauty of this particular um, work is that it's, it's overt in some of its themes, but it's still open to interpretation on others. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which of course gives it uh, ample room to be read over and over and um, revisited. Cause you're always going to see there's the, the complexity of the art alone is worth um, second glances on, on, on everything. Yes. So much effort is put and so much effort and time has been put into the, just the detail, um, let alone the, the story and the characters themselves. So, but we've been dancing around for like two minutes. Um, uh, Beatrice wakens in uh, a somewhat familiar location and is greeted by the the original, the young um, Melvina before her fall from the cliff. Yep, pre cliff Melvina. <laughs> the self same one that was um, butterflied to the wall. Um, just previously um she's or she lets beatrice know that uh what's her her reiteration of these nightmares and her waking delirium uh, is because she is now trapped within melvina's mind yes like the last vestige of what melvina is um because it's a little more complicated than that it's uh i'm trying to think of something some um there is a movie with uh, John Cusack, and I the name is escaping me right now. Um, they are all in uh, a hotel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I can't remember the name either. And they're being chased. Or they're, they're being ch- there's a murderer amongst them. It's a group of people. And as the movie progresses, you realize things aren't as they seem. I really actually, it's been out for a long time. I don't want to, like. You could still spoil it, but um, <laughs> it's it's sort of a horror version Identity. of Inception. Identity, yes. So yes, it's the horror film of Inception. Yes. Kind of. Kind of. Um, that's what this reminds me of. Yes. Um hey and and for those for for, for those who, who have been to my YouTube channel, it's also kind of sticky there. I'll, I'll never stop talking about the evil within. And it's kind of also like also kind of like the evil within. <laughs> <laughs> but identity did it first. Um, yes. Or the cell. But closer Yo, to the Yeah. Identity. Yeah. Because the, well, cell, close, is, yes. the, the cell is dealing with more like what evil within. Like that's more of a direct comparison to um, the cell evil within. This yes. feels more like identity. Um, yes. Anyway, that is that is next to, but still beside the point. Um, we get the largest uh, bit of exposition to probably delivered in the entire uh, comic um, yes. at this point from Melvina because it is a firsthand uh, telling of what the heck is going on. S- sort of. You're right. Sort of. So... What it boils down to, and what we what has been hinted at back since the fishbowl spaceman, um, 
Melvina, uh, now it's confirmed, uh, is, or the, the, the Melvina we're familiar with, not the young Melvina, but the, um, the post-Cliff Melvina, uh, is from another reality outside of our own. And required a um, human-like portion to to exist in, like it's a um, a human suit (laughs) to exist in our reality. Uh, The reality outside of our own is the uh, origin. It's, It's the thing where everything came from. This whatever it is, this void, this chaos, this outside place Mm -hmm. um and has ultimately kind of been trapped this this reality is a prison of maybe our own making i don't know um and uh melvina's ostensibly her goal is to break in and then shatter the walls of the prison so that everyone's returned to where they came from right basically is what i felt that it was saying um and in that process uh she has um she's found that it's a it's a it's a catch twenty two so she needs to be human or at least partly human to exist here right but to break the walls she cannot a, a human cannot do that thing <laughs> can cannot yep. sunder the reality so she needs to be more of her original self to do so uh, and in order to do that she needs to get rid of the emotions and fears and things that make you human um she's to block them so she can yes. return to her form and then break the walls because she have you have to be inside the prison to break the walls you can't be outside of it um yes for some reason but um she has never been able to get rid of that fear of death that fear mm-hmm. of non-existence i guess would be the better reading of that and uh she has found the perfect um vessel in Beatrice. So, uh, in, in order to finish her quest, um, she basically has uh, run Beatrice through the ringer. Um, yes. Con- continually trying to push her and get her to break. That's what she's been with all of her patients. They're, 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 they're away, they're, are, they are a means to an end. Uh, yes, <laughs> but her her gaining of the um, inoculations, the immunities against the fears, weren't her literal goal. They're just like a, a happy accident, like a side byproduct. Mm-hmm. She's searching for someone that can help her transcend humanity, like right. a, body, a body that's already full of these immunities, basically. And she she, and she almost one. had it with with aldrin uh the astronaut but yeah. alas he he, he, he fishboyed wasn't quite yep. ready so she she found it in in um beatrice yes. but um ultimately there are things within beatrice that uh don't line up because uh we you know we we've, we've started this with um uh opposing therapies uh they mm-hmm. are similar in ways um beatrice and melvina and from melvina's point of view beatrice is like her to a t like they they are right. complementary not not 
opposites. Yes. That's not the case. So <laughs> Melvina over or under one of the two um, is put, just put her eggs in one basket and that's Beatrice mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and that was a mistake because Beatrice, uh, her views don't coincide with, with Melvina's like in, in the slightest. Right. And her be- because she is as strong as she is, uh, mentally, um, her will is, it's cause it's not her will to survive. It's her will to, uh, acquiesce to like the happiness of others like the the benefit of the the benefit of the many outweighs the needs of the few is what right. she what she's ultimately boiled down to mm-hmm. um and it, it it turns out that melvina needs her uh as like a, a surrogate shell is what yes. i was getting out of it so that way, um, when she when she as her other outside world self takes over Melvina in the in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. it was too much. Like she's it it wasn't like putting a protective barrier on. She became that thing, right? And what she wants instead is to maintain herself while in the shell of something else, right? So it's that that kind of protective to this world barrier that she's not bound to which is really weird because the way that they go about this is um uh no i don't remember her name um it's it's melvina's old roommate oh gretchen gretchen who had blinded herself um because of the she just couldn't handle the truth um <laughs> Yeah, also, also bloodborne adjacent. <laughs> yes, yes, because now she does. She has eyes on the inside. Um, yep. She has never left, as we saw before, uh, never left to the League of Melvina. Um, and she has brought with her, um, she, she, she meets Beatrice and has brought with her a, a serum of a new kind. It's basically the purified blood of. Um, Melvina and injects this into Beatrice in the attempts of r- resurrecting Melvina within Beatrice's body is well, what we have, I think is happening. Well, we have we have skipped a, a the, 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 yeah. The, there's I'm just trying to go through like the arc of ah what's happening because yeah the, the, there's stuff that happens at the end, but now we can we can jump back to all the wonderful um imagery that happens in the uh the the school i guess they're in the school yep uh hey guess what billy's back and looking (laughs) worse than ever oh boy billy um because now he's the executioner yes and Uh, um he's definitely like um well i guess if you if you want to go to uh evil within he is the safe head Yes, or yeah, he's yeah. Mister X, or he's, uh, our, you know, our he's, pir- he's a pyramid head. He's a pyramid. It's a pyramid. A yeah. Pyramid. Well, yeah. That's probably and the most like. apt, like, <laughs> identity. Because what this, what, what it is, 
is this is where she uh, Melvin is explaining to Beatrice that she Beatrice is trapped in Melvina's um hellscape. Yes. And I.e. I. her mind. <laughs> yeah, I.e. her mind. Um But this is where we uh lovingly run into all of our very early um beasties. Like yep. the, the hair and yep. the uh fractal uh Sisyphus Sisyphean thing, the loop. The looper. Yep, the Mario um, loop. All, all our all our all our favorite early early um creatures make little appearances. Uh and they're made they're made more frightening this round because we have context. We know what their story is and uh what this reminds me of is the remake of um the 13 ghosts oh yes because they're all semi you're in it's a prison basically what she's in Mm. and they're all in their respective uh wards or cells kind of segregated by um the little door so this is a the hallway she's in is the uh first hallway we see in hair's arms yep and each door has a symbol which we had kind of glossed over because we didn't have much context into explaining what these were um Mm -hmm. but there's the duck there's the the rabbit each of these things has meaning now like more meaning than it did originally they are they are um symbols uh and um beatrice is not the reader (laughs) she does not have context for this which makes it more frightening because you as the reader are going don't touch the door (laughs) no no and she's gonna touch the door and um it uh luckily she's her 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 mistaken opening of the hair door was uh um interrupted by um melvina the the, the child melvina telling her to probably don't don't do that that's <laughs> a yeah. bad idea i i guess i i guess i need to lead you out of <laughs> yeah let's let's get out of here um and so she's trying to give her a way out of um this madhouse um and they're being chased by um Billy mm-hmm. the entire time, and he's horrifying. Yes, and he is. He, he at this point he is the incarnation of the what Melvina experienced in the the shower, the, right. the bad the bad portion. Um, so that's his his pyramid headening. Uh, he also looks. It's I feel like he looks like a Cenobite, just in Lederhosen. Yeah. The Cenobite, the Lederhosen Cenobite. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind um, of like bloated with um no uh his eyes and his mouth are filled with like a fleshy substance I don't know. It's disturbing. It looks to look vaguely at. it looks vaguely walnutty. I I'll pretty much inter I interpreted it for whatever reason as like just like packed with like paper. Yeah, I like, was thinking that too, or like toilet paper or something jammed in there. Right, because he which also, would which would make kind of sense because it's in the the shower thing, and she delivered the coup de gras to the twins. 
Right. I was about to say, yeah, there are, are definitely visual similarities to how the twins end up uh, regarding Billy's appearance as well. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Guess um, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Beatrice steps on a du- duck, which leads us to our, our next super explicit reference. Yes. Yes. The loop is back. Um, yes. And the best part is the the activation of the loop is those fractal triangles in the sky. I don't remember the the whatever the configuration is called, um, mm. but it appears in the sky and it has the in my mind it has the sound of like bells or something. Like there's some kind of right. sound in, that is associated with it. There may be a sound effect on the page. I don't I don't recall, but there's one in my head. Um, it's bad. It's a bad thing that happens, and um, so. <laughs> she's told rightly uh, Beatrice is told correctly to get get out of there cannot yep. be you do not want to be in this one particular, you don't want to be in any of these places but you don't want to be right here because you can get stuck right and then you're stuck doing this over and over and over you know just you know ad ad nauseum um and then we she runs past the actual um entity the the Sisyphean mirrored thing um yes that is so this particular thing I'm reading as because uh, we didn't we never got really an explanation of it, but um, it feels like Melvina has brought it from beyond the fishbowl, right? Or summoned it? Somehow. Yes, because um, shortly thereafter, I may be getting a little bit a bit mixed up, but we get um, the. I, I'm reading it as a reveal of what Melvina is outside of her body. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the thing from it, I guess. Oh, right. <laughs> Deadlights. She's a space spider thing. Yeah. I guess. Well, uh, I mean, there is also that that spider imagery that we missed earlier with the two, two nuns, because... Beatrice, or not Beatrice, but Melvina is an orphan that was just found at the steps yeah. of, of the school, and we have a very explicit ah, the the baby's bored oh, it's a it's a horrible spider monster um, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just Beatrice. feeling that, that that's an allusion to what actual Melvina is right, when she's not Glenn Close right <laughs> It's it's good. It's a um, it's a definitely not a it's not cute. It's a very angular. An angular yes. spider. Yes. It's like a fractal um, spider kind of thing. Oh, that's actually really that is actually legitimately horrifying. Yes. Um, all, all I can think of is like the the Euclid the non Euclidean geometries, this the strange right. shapes from beyond. <laughs> um Um but oh before uh before Beatrice makes her escape through the mines, uh Melvina is captured by not one but multiple horrible billies. Um because uh there's more than one in Melvina's brain. Uh yes. They, 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 there's 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 such a prominent fear um that it's it's 
it's a visualization of that idea of an unescapable assailant. Like wherever yes. you turn, there they are. Now there's just literally more of them, so you can't escape them. Right. Or it's a reasoning behind you you're running and then you like shut a door and then turn around and it's there. It's because there was more than one. Right. More than one the whole time. Uh but fortunately there are helpful exit signs to point her out of the mine. Uh, and Beatrice comes upon, hey, Dave, were you at all surprised that Beatrice just happens to wind up at the cliff? No, no, not really. Not when the entire time um, all of anyone's sessions with Movina have been the sound of the cliff. <laughs> um, and we were gr- graced with that wonderful metal poster, which I was just going, okay, this is going to happen because there's... Someone running off of a cliff. <laughs> right. But yes, well, and, so and... she finds the cliff and um, she is... So the young Melvin has been captured, telling her to run. Yes. She makes it to the cliff and is hearing in her head um, Melvina's final um, advice. Like her, her telling her that she just has to... If she jumps off the cliff, that'll be the escape. But it's a trap. Or is it? Yes. Oh, you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because we get uh one of my I think this might be my favorite image of of the entire comic, which is the uh weird distended head Melvina in the wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, sideways going making a yep. Weird. Uh, what was that? What was that super popular game with the blue oni monster? Like blue oni, Aoi oni. Yeah, that's what that head face reminds me of when I. Um, it's my favorite image uh, because it is it is that, and then quick scroll, and she's fine. Young Melvina in the wheelchair. Uh, yeah, I think it's also it's also the um, thumbnail for the chapter. Yeah, um, telling telling Beatrice. Yeah, surprise! It was me. I'm. You thought you were getting advice from the other one, ha <laughs> Ah, that's what happens when we're we're the same person and you can't see us. And now I'm gonna have to give you some exposition because yep. it's like five pages of telling us exactly what is happening um because melvina uh as we all know is not exempt from the ravages of time and her human body has now failed her um she has been hospitalized she's at the end of her lifespan um although her mind is still strong sort of sort of right um also, what this says is that uh, uh, every Melvina that we've seen, probably the entirety of the series that is wasn't a flashback, has been some weird astral projection. Because as as was referenced earlier, um, her office doesn't actually exist anywhere, and uh, it, it is is not real. It exists in everyone's mind. That's where the therapy actually takes place so we have 
not seeing the most of the time we are not seeing the real Melvina anyway. Yeah. In fact, we only see her once. Yes. As far as the present present day is concerned, uh, her her one of her final lines um, that she's telling uh, Beatrice as they sit there, um, just Beatrice, since I saw since I saw you, I knew that we had something in common. Uh, we have the ability to end our own demons in order to survive. There's her misjudgment, right? Because it, it's not it's not wrong. But it doesn't take into account the the entirety of uh, Beatrice's um, uh, ideology. I don't know what you want to call it. Yes. her her mental state is beyond this thing. It's it's not incorrect, but because she has during this session, she is con- you know she's dealt with her mother like that part's kind of done. Has right. put her in a different place than she was prior to uh, when Melvin has directly been dealing with her. Yes. Um, and now we we get the um, the wonderful imagery of the the, the fishbowl of the office shattering. Yeah. So yeah. this is the the last vestige of protection that Melvina had put around herself, her mental self, um, in order to to keep living. So the the frailties of her body have caught up, and you know mm-hmm. begun deteriorating, deteriorating her mind, and um, the the office uh, is flooded with um, seawater. Yes, and Melina, the office is or gone. Fish fishbowl water, whatever you want to. Call it. Uh, Melvina wants Beatrice to meet her, her actual her, and right before she gives her the location, the fishbowl breaks. And Beatrice awakens, but she still gets uh, the location. She just, of course, yes. We we don't get it, <laughs> right? Um, which is great. I always love when when they they keep information from the viewer that yeah. ultimately doesn't matter, but would have been interesting to have anyway. Uh, and surprise, Beatrice is fine. Um, like, actually, seems to be legitimately fine. <laughs> um, and is released. Uh, every indication seems that, like, yep, nope, Melvina was a horrible eldritch entity of her word, and uh, just just come and see me because you know we're kindred spirits. Uh, me, horrible space fractal spider, and you, troubled young woman. Uh, and uh, uh, Beatrice makes her way there. And we uh, finally see uh, our, our, the the real Melvina and and Dave. What do you got for us? She's just a, a sad old lady behind the curtain. Yep. You know her her words are, "I don't want to disappear. I'm so afraid." Yes. Um. However, I mean. <laughs> It's it's a little difficult because because of who Melvina is and seeing her in this state still feels like a last gambit. Yep. Because like if you stay here with me, I mean I will be able to go in peace, but something could happen. Like that's just what it's read into the character, right? Um, and of course, uh, and 
that 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 res- she again overextended herself and feels that th- they are as they are there's still two sides of the same coin and she feels that they've been through such trials together um even if she's the one <laughs> creating the trial um right that there's still some kind of uh mutual respect right some and, some some camaraderie in yeah. in just a slight way and uh, yeah. uh, no 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 there's not no <laughs> beaches is not, not not having it um, it's it's actually i was actually really really pleased by the subversion of like beatrice just being like nah fuck you i gotta i gotta go yeah i just wanted to i just wanted to see what was it's going like on. i wanted and the I satisfaction have... of seeing you were like a real thing like a real yeah person so that i wasn't yeah. imagining everything because it's literally up to this point it's all been in her own mind right um and and she she sums it up um nicely when she's reflecting on um on her i'll just end up reading it since i got pulled up uh this is yeah. this is beatrice's reflections um i expected to feel resentment and anger at all she had put me through but when i saw her wasting away like that in bed i felt something very different she appeared as a person who had not been able to find peace in life one who became the victim of an unhealthy obsession that destroyed her that destroyed those who crossed her Finally, she was left alone in bed with no one who wanted to accompany her at the end of her journey. To see some, someone like that simply made me sad. Which is why she left. Yep. Uh, and then she... And then this home. is what... Yeah, this is where we um, we goofed up on the, the, the yeah. timing of things. So this is where Grethel appears. Um, yep. After the passing of Malvina. And kind of lays all the cards on the table and injects um Beatrice with uh, Melvina's blood so haha it was a trick <laughs> yes um wanting to uh have Melvina live on again um in uh, Beatrice's body but not actually be Beatrice where that was the mistake that she had the first time being too much of Melvina and not enough of uh, space spider Yes. Um and and we get we finally get the end of that scene uh where uh Melvina confronts Grethel uh after yeah. after Beatrice yes, after her and, visit uh, like a few issues ago. Yes. Uh and I I like it uh because it's 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 closer on the scene and also there is a fantastically evocative uh set of panels where Melvina puts her th- her horrible her, uh, her awful thumbs in in Grethel's eye holes only for the shot to pull back and uh there is no Melvina but there is still a shadow performing the act uh, against the wall um so yeah surprise Grethel, Grethel, <laughs> Grethel is the final boss of Melvina's therapy, and yes, she uh, is the German. To yes, Beatrice's hunter. Um, yeah, actually, that is a, a pretty apt. <laughs> that is pretty apt. <laughs> Grethel joins the hunt again and stabs yeah. her. Stabs her with the. Uh, the juice 
yes, uh, and Grethel explains that uh, one uh, that once Melina died, her 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 blood reached a pure essence, free of any fear, because you know, since you're dead, you don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Which was Melvina's final gambit, uh, and that we will use her blood to to resurrect her anew within you. You will be the one to shatter the fishbowl. Uh, time has come for us to leave this place. You know what you'd expect from from the ramblings of a crazy lady. I don't know if there's any uh, meaning behind behind this, but I think that uh, I, I like that there's like a little chameleon embroidered on, on Grethel's uh, blouse. Yeah, well, that's that's the whole thing of her disguising herself as a frail old woman when she's really a frail old woman mastermind. Yes. Or it, or it could be, <laughs> a, it could be a really really poor taste reference to the fact that Melvina got her to waggle her eyes a little herself crazy enough to pull them out. Yeah, that does make sense. She did have her spooky chameleon eyes. Yep. So it's probably a, uh, probably a little bit of all those things. Um, and then we, we return to the wonderful um, bird imagery. Um, yes. As the sky descends into madness and Beatrice begins her Melvinization through hands transforming first. Yes. And then her eyes. And I was expecting her hair to start curling into little Uzumakis, but it did not. And uh of course we get the uh the the, the well, we, we, doll. Yeah, I was gonna say we forgot the entire there's <laughs> a room full of Matroshka um nesting yes. dolls uh of the 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 true self hidden deep within the other selves of the other selves of the other selves at infinitum but the doll is going to open. Yes. And, and Milvina and, will come out. But uh but Beatrice uh taking the only piece of advice that uh that Melvina's ever given that was actually worth anything. Um You gotta jump makes, <laughs> makes yes, makes a jump. She jumps off of the apartment balcony. Yes, and it's it's not like balcony. it's not even a small. <laughs> it's a long way down. It is. Um, it is like like many floors. Yeah, it's a you're done jump, um, basically. And that is what happens. She yep. she sacrifices herself to maintain the walls of reality as we know it. Mm-hmm. Because if she and, dies, uh, the Melvina in her dies too. Yeah, you you die in therapy, you die in real life. Um, actually, you she, get to go to the disco. Yeah, yes, yeah, I was about to say you get to go. To, <laughs> you actually get to go to disco, which is my favorite. Because uh, this is like has to be like a roller rink. Oh, is it a, actually just a club? Because it really sounds like a roller rink. No, it's a club. Um, but yes, uh, disco comet on a on a snowy evening. Um, and uh, Beatrice is reunited with Ziggy. And my okay, so I didn't look at this the first time because there's, okay. always, there's <laughs> always so much. Oh man, I looked at this. I'm saying that this particular panel with um, Ziggy appearing. Ah, um, so mm-hmm. she enters the the discotheque, and there's a, a disco ball um, refracting. You know, all the lights 
make the disco yes. light show. But on the ground, it's stars, and that's the yes. The, the, it's like very touching. Mm-hmm. And then Ziggy appears with his yes. wonderful flower shirt and his little earring, and they hug. Yes. Uh, Beatrice says that she misses him, which is true and obvious. He says that he's happy to see her, uh, and uh, I want it to be the way that it was before. Can't ever be the way that it was before. Um, well, it could, but she'd have to be dead for that to happen. Right. And right. that's not what happens. Nope. Um, because he, he specifically says to her, I'm glad that we have to separate again. Um, like I would, I want to continue what we have, but it's, 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 it's not your time. That's what this boils down to. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a scene of, it's not your time scene. Go. Yeah. I am the angel and sending you back. Um, because her, she did not die. Um, jumping off of the balcony, she caught her body slightly on a or many clotheslines enough to, to keep her from just, becoming mush at the bottom yeah so she got she got batman returns um yeah <laughs> and uh um uh, and survived but lost a lot of blood so yes you know it, um and she had a transfusion so that got rid of the melvina blood yes because it was just like a syringe full so that's <laughs> not not a lot yeah <laughs> Uh, and, and, uh, it should be noted that this, this, this final, this final little bit is the epilogue, um, where, uh, uh, Beatrice is fine. She's, she's eventually released. She's been in a coma for weeks, but, uh, uh, she, uh, we, we see, we see probably, the nicest set of images that we've seen the entire series as as the story wraps up yes it's um it's it's pleasant uh, it ends with a shot of her on the beaches and on uh they are um erosion uh, preventing blocks i guess out on the mm-hmm. out on the beach and she's just reflecting on what she's lost like those that she's lost and her life and how maybe because of those losses she's able to 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 move on yes um it should also be noted that beatrice now has a uh, a star on her right thigh Yes, it's a, it's a stardust star. Um, this is the com. So I'm I've been looking at the comments um, that are on each episode. People as they've read, they put comments on there, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's nice because you're just seeing at the time of release comments. There's only a few of them, uh, but because. Um, either through the, the Patreon or, in our case, our direct contact with the author, uh, there's been a little bit more explanation than are given to the general readers of the comic. Like, if you're just looking at the comments, they're not addressed, like, in any way, really. Right. For the most part. 
So the comments are, oh, it's, it's happy to see that she got a, a tattoo um, of, of Ziggy's star when that's not like a tattoo. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, the embodiment of the feelings of love. Yes. So she, it's, to me, this is her love for herself and her love for Ziggy and her love for, it, it's, it's the whole ball of wax. Yeah. But she's made it far enough to where she can love herself and everything else again, because that was the trouble with herself from the, the beginning. Right. Because of that, uh, that's, that self-loathing and guilt and everything had stopped her from being able to love herself at least. Mm-hmm. And now, now she's able to, she's moved on, but still, um, it's not trapped by the past, but like embracing and acknowledging that it occurred. And then you can still be, um, you can still have feelings about these things, uh, but it's in a cathartic way. Right. Yeah. And, and so we leave, we leave Beatrice, uh, with her her smart new haircut and her her new her, cat. her new cat and uh, a little cat and what appears to be a, a, a her returning to, to to actually practice again as a therapist because we kind of pan through a waiting what appears to be a waiting room um and and everything uh works out in the end which is uh, explicitly not how I thought this comic was going to end, it, but yeah, I was glad it, to be proven wrong. Yes, I was, and then um, I, I'm not going to read this because it's. In, I think it's important um, for anyone to like read this themselves. It's a. Yes. Uh, it's a. It's a, a, a thank you. It's a, a a bearing all. It's an explanation by the author of why this comic was done what it means to him and uh just it's sort of a repeat it's a a real life example of what uh the character of beatrice has gone through yes because that's what this comic is meant to um the the author and uh it's very heartfelt it's very good um uh it's a good ending uh both in the comic and in the in in the, the final comments by the author Yes. Um and that's Melvina's therapy. The uh the once again, one of my one of my my favorite uh pieces of independent uh narrative storytelling that I've encountered in a really long time. And I'm um uh, glad that you decided to join me on this journey, Dave. Um I'm glad that you enjoyed seemingly enjoyed your time with it. Um it's 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 really good. And to you listeners, I hope that you've been reading along with us and that you uh found it as um hopeful, like shockingly hopeful and and uh uh pleasant and and real and ending as I did. Um it's a very I consider it to be a very special piece and uh I'm always glad to read it and reread it and reread it. Yeah, I am um, I echo all of those sentiments. I mean this it means a little more to me than I thought it did before I finished reading it. Like mm-hmm. b- because of the way the last chapter and the conclusion are structured 
uh, because it's revisiting earlier earlier things, and that gives me the chance um, to kind of revisit what what I thought of those in the beginning, and then kind of how I thought of them toward the end. Uh, yes, yeah, I, this is it's an excellent piece. Um, everyone read it, and then you can also be a little teared up like me. <laughs> I'm sad for this to be ending. Uh, although we, of course, will will fill the space with um, something, hopefully in a similar vein. Um, yes, for for what we're doing here, we uh, so we've been doing this this segment um, on and off again for about a year, uh, having um, for any new listeners picked it up picked up the pace a little bit in the last few months uh, because we realized it was a little bit longer um, and didn't want to take months in between looking at some of these chapters because they uh they're they're they they began to flow together toward the end into one more cohesive story rather than kind of one-offs even though they they never were but that's how it's structured in the beginning Um, yes yes it is very much structured as as an unpleasant uh uh before shifting into uh an, an unpleasant main narrative um once again, for uh, really, it's it's kind of a it's kind of an impressive trick that a series that has relied so much on being consistently unpleasant about so many things uh, ultimately ends on a uh, explicitly happy, hopeful note. Um, really wasn't anticipating that, and like I said before, happy to have gotten it. Yeah. I think because at the end, this is revealed as a an act of catharsis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get that in the through really even any of the work because we're not the ones we're second handing the experience, right? So the meaning is never going to be as strong as it is ultimately um, for the author. But I think in ending it the way that he did it at least um shares a fraction of that of that cost that this must have taken to to make this mm-hmm. like i can empathize with the, the 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 idea behind everything right uh yeah well that <laughs> that unfortunately wraps up um uh melvina's therapy uh did you have, do you have any, like, I think we covered everything. I covered everything I wanted to say. Um, I don't have. Yeah, any other I think I've, I've, I've covered, covered everything uh, that I wanted to as well. As I said before, listen, I say, I say you should, I, I suggest people watch things and play things all the time, blah, blah, blah. But really if, if, if in my time on Monster Dear Monster, if you're ever inclined to to uh, take one of my recommendations, uh, Melvina's therapy is at the top of my list. It is it is like I have said, one of my uh, a, a new a new favorite of mine that I will probably revisit uh, for the rest of my life because it's that good. Yes, yes, wholeheartedly agree. Uh, next on the plate, um, we've discussed a little bit of things, um, so we'll probably be looking at uh, a series of anthology tales. Um, these ones are more on the, the novella side of things rather than a, a webcomic. 
but um, potentially the works of uh, Thomas Ligotti and or Laird Barron are on the table. Um, yes. I will take individual story recommendations because there's a they, those collectively those two authors have a, a large body of work. Um, ideally, we will try to move through uh, stories that tie together um, because just that that just provides more room for discussion. Um, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, as usual, um, if we decide on something specific, it will be announced in advance, at least by a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but if particular stories are recommended to them or to us, uh, we will also let everyone else know because since we're reading something, it'd be nice to have to or be nice to be able to read uh, in advance or along uh, with the episode when it airs. Um, right. Yeah, I think that that's. That's the the wrap on this episode. Um, Leonard, do the honors. Yes. Dave, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me um, on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus. The podcast itself is at monsterdearmonster.com. Since you may be listening to this through iTunes or your podcatcher of choice, um, our, our rebellious an absent co-host um cameron you can find him on twitter at night underscore twitten that's night without the k uh, leonard where are you on the interwebs yes people can find me on on twitter at dr faust is dead people can also find me on youtube at uh well not at because they don't use ads on uh, by searching Dr. Faust is dead. I make video content. I'm in the process of starting up a new piece of video content. Uh, and that is all that I will say about that. Um, but yeah, you should watch my videos because some of them are good. Mainly the last one that I made because it, I spent like half a year making it. Um, but yes, that's where you can find me online and and my fellow co-hosts. Um, thank you, as always, listener, for uh, joining us for Monster, Dear Monster. And for those of you who have uh, uh, taken this journey uh, through Melvina's therapy with us, uh, thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. And uh for uh, Dave, Cameron, and myself, uh, we're going to call that an episode. Say bye-bye. We'll say bye-bye to y'all. Uh, and next week, we will be returning with another episode of The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Likely looking at episodes three through five. We'll oh, see okay. How, we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> that's always kind of up in the air. Yes. Um, bye, folks. Bye.